When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Are you a fan of young adult novels? Have you ever wondered the stories behind the people who wrote your favorite young adult novels? Then join author Eric J. Brown and Alyssa Lube of Netflix's The Circle every other Tuesday on YAOK. Available on all podcasting apps. Woo! Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Horror Movie Night. We actually have finished our way through the list of Patreon subscribers, so thank you so much for how much time we were actually able to fill up in episodes. Just giving shout-outs to all you guys. There's always space for more shout-outs. You can check out the patreon.com backslash Podcast. But we're starting back over. We're going to start this one off with a shout-out to Tyler Sharp. Uh, he's one of our most... De- devoted fans he's always sending us emails he's always posting in the group thank you for being a awesome dedicated fan i'm sorry that you live in iowa because we'll probably never come anywhere near you for a live event (laughs) but uh always appreciate you listening now let's talk about a movie I'd like to start this episode of Horror Movie Night with a reading from a book that is very, very important to me. Hold on a second. For there is a man inside of me, and only (laughs) when he's finally out can I walk free. That's right, everyone. We're discussing Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge, maybe the most homoerotic film of the 80s that isn't Top Gun. So join me, Scott, and Adam as we dodge bird attacks, spend the night in each other's rooms, and avoid every school bus we see. Go strap on your knife glove and hop in a pool because it's horror movie night. That might be one of the best ones that Adam has ever written. I just want to make sure that that is Yeah, known. but we've been making that joke for <laughs> yeah, that was That was one of the, sadly, one of the... Um... Uh, Survivor Girl songs that were was never written. The man inside me. <laughs> well, I remember that it was based on because I had, I had proposed the idea that you do an EP where every single song, um, every single song is uh, a different Freddie movie, and then Adam pitched that as the name of part two, and then it's just yeah, gone as soon from as there. I pitched it. Scott was like, "Oh yeah, no, we were already." <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. Um, <clears throat> he pitched, and I caught. <laughs> All right, so so let's let's address the elephant in the room right out the gate. This is 
infamously the the gayest horror movie that's ever been made. Uh, it's been voted on multiple websites. Uh, the documentary Never Sleep Again about the entire history of Nightmare on Elm Street has probably a 45-minute segment dedicated just to this movie. Uh, and in that, it is revealed that the writer, the star of the movie, and the set dresser were all gay. Uh, the writer had put in plenty of gay subtext, which the uh, actor had picked up on and played up. And the set dresser tried to hide as many like hints throughout the movie. But everybody else was completely in the dark to the gay subtext when they were making yeah, the movie. The director, the director denied this for years that there was any kind of gay subtext to it, and the writer kind of, you know, went along with it because it was the '80s. Whatever, you don't want to out yourself. But eventually, he was like, "Oh yeah, no, that was totally gay." <laughs> well, I mean, right you out know, the gate, blowing my mind because I thought that it was like I didn't realize that it was like intentionally a homoerotic. I was just like. We're just making jokes about this, right, guys? No, no. Oh, it's, wow. The set dresser very. Uh, the set dresser knew what he was doing when he hung up the "No Chicks Allowed" sign on Jesse's door and put the board game probe in his closet. <laughs> <laughs> I saw the "No Chicks," but I didn't see. Probe. Hey, Adam. You never see the probe. <laughs> you uh, never see it coming. So, uh, so this movie also has one of the. Uh, one of the rare times where we have, a, we genuinely have a male scream queen because Jesse has that girly scream and he does it a lot throughout this movie. Early on, we start off with a nightmare where he's on a bus and the bus is just careening towards hell and then he wakes up with the girly scream and it has my favorite line in the movie where it just pans downstairs to the kitchen and his sister goes, why can't Jesse wake up like normal people? <laughs> um and that's probably the only line that was supposed to be funny that is funny in the movie. The rest of it, I feel like, is a lot of unintentionally funny lines. But, dear God, this movie... This is the beginning of the end for Freddy trying to be legitimately terrifying in any kind of way. I don't uh, think this is the beginning of the end, my my friend. I think that it like I think that the beginning of the end was, like, the last minute of Nightmare on Elm Street. And then they were just like, you know what? We can do whatever we want. We made so much money. Yeah, well, there's there's some there, but this one's got like they they try to redeem themselves, um, and they do with like like Dream Warriors and and Part Four is also pretty good of like, but it's still this is the last time until probably New Nightmare where they tried to make Freddy legitimately scary and not like the uh, the the stand up comedian that's just burnt to death like. Man. Yeah, there's so many there's so many opportunities for Freddy to to quip and and to say like you know crack out one liners, but he'll just be like Jesse's fucking dead and say <laughs> shit like that. Like he just he doesn't care. He's not trying to be funny. And like the whole "You're all my children's now" now line and stuff like that. Even though that whole pool scene is the most nonsensical fucking thing I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. But. Well, it also but, okay. least believable of all of this, the Freddy's. This also has the line that. Uh, the great poet Will Fresh Prince Smith quotes in his song Nightmare on My Street when he says, you've got the body and I've got the brains, um, which 100% appears in that song. Um, there's so many moments. <laughs> well, I want to start with a zany unpacking your room montage. <laughs> oh, Where my God. You've got the boy that you turn into your penis that you're masturbating. Very so, good. Yeah. The, the,
the dance sequence is so good in this movie. And, like, I think... Good? Oh, it's great. Because this is a thing that I I miss. There was this 80s trope where all slasher movies would try to... Or or just 80s horror movies would always have these weird dance sequences in it. You know, Return of the Living Dead had it. Um, (laughs) uh, Friday the 13th... That one is worthwhile. Friday the 13th Part 5 has it where the goth chick is, like, doing the robot in her bedroom. Um, Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Troll 2 has a weird dance sequence in it. Like... This where was, the the sisters doing aerobics or whatever. Yeah, like there's all these incredible moments, but this one is just so absurd. He's like bopping his ass against the drawer to close it, and like well, uh, yeah, and we have to thank the set dresser because he's wearing <laughs> these like sparkly gold sunglasses. And if you threw a feather boa on him, he's fucking Elton John. He, he's- <laughs> uh, it's so good. It's so like. It is so incredible, and it's one of those, like, one of the highlights of the movie for me. It's the dance scene and the transformation scene. Those are, like, the two best scenes in the film to me. God so, damn okay, it, this movie. So he goes to a gay bar, right? Oh, yeah. He goes to an S&M bar. Where the there, head there of New Line's... There are women in that scene, though? There head... are, there's quite a few women. Yeah. Although, I can't tell if they have lesbian haircuts or it's just the 80s. I have no idea. <laughs> actually the latter i'm pretty sure everybody had that haircut regardless of sexual orientation in 1984 when this 85 yeah. when this movie come out uh 85 it's as old as me um <laughs> uh, you get um so but i want to talk we go to the school first so we get the scene I, know, I, the I didn't mean to get us too far in advance yeah no 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 i didn't think you did but okay so we're going to the school we have the scene where they're playing baseball and uh what's the other what's the his First is Bully and then his friend's name. What is that guy's name? I cannot remember. I, I've even interviewed the I actor. Name down. <laughs> I got I, Jesse. Jesse, Lisa, Freddy. Those are the only fucking names. <laughs> so it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. So they're, they do the baseball scene and he clocks Jesse in the head with the baseball and then comes up and is like, oh, pretty much like, you're a little bitch and gives him like a little smack on the face. And then they have to do like the push-ups together and they, they get in the fight together and all that shit. And he's like, what's your problem with me, man? And he's like, oh, nothing. Just, you know, trying to make conversation. It's like, you were being such an asshole. It's, it's, oh, the what? guy's name is Ron, by the way. Yeah, Ron. Or Ron, Grady. Okay. They call him Grady for short. Great. Okay. Because yeah. that's his last Grady. name. Grady. Oh, of course, short for, short for Ron. Right, of course. You know, you know him from Vamp <laughs> and Weird Science. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so. Whatever that begins the beginning, you know, of a beautiful relationship there, uh, and then and then we get uh, spooky bird attack. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so, we do. <laughs> oh man! So he opens up the cage because it's shaking like crazy, and uh, a parakeet flies out and terrorizes this family, which has two full-grown men and a full-grown woman. A woman in it, by the way. This parakeet just terrorizes them. Somehow cuts the dad's cheek and then explodes, which I assume it did with fright. Exploded with fright. Um, <coughs> so Jesse's dad accuses him of, of somehow setting that up. <laughs> this like crazy, elaborate bird freaks out, cut your face and then explode thing. And he's like, what do you put firecrackers in there? I know what it was. It was a cherry bomb. And I'm just like, God damn, Jesse's dad really fucking hates him, man. He's so mean to him this whole movie. So, guys, I, I just realized something, and I apologize. Um, <laughs> this was picked by a listener. 
Uh, and, and they did actually send us an email. So I want to take a quick pause. Uh, this was picked by... He, we haven't picked one of his movies in a while, but he used to write to us all the time, and hopefully he continues to write to us. Uh, do you guys remember Fan Mail Chris? Yeah. Yeah. So Wait, is, that, is that Chris Daniel? Maybe. Daniels? His signature is, is related to Evil Dead. But uh, this is the email that he sent us back in September. Uh, he said, Fan Mail Chris here. Uh, apologies for munchies. I hope there's no hard feelings, but thank you for the Maniac Cop review as I loved it. Uh, I feel as though some grudges may still be held for my Munchies recommendation, so I'd like to make a possible new request for a future show. Or, uh, uh, the Dark Horse of the Nightmare series, Part 2. I've met Mark Patton at a few cons over the years, and Mark is a KC native like myself. He came to town a few years back to screen the film at a local theater. Uh, I love the Nightmare on Elm Street series, and Part 2 doesn't get much love. I feel Freddy is still really creepy in Part 2, and you could have a field day with all the gay overtones. I could talk all day about Nightmare on Elm Street and can't wait to see Mark's Kickstarter documentary that he's doing called Scream Queen. Again, apologies for Munchies. Love you guys. Fan mail, Chris. Uh, Chris, you have definitely made up for Munchies <laughs> because there is so much to talk about with this movie. Uh, but yeah, I just want to say this is not the dark horse of the series. This is the unicorn. <laughs> <laughs> All right, great show, guys. Oh shit, that was fantastic! I think we're gonna just get rid of all the goodwill that our gay audience. <laughs> Why? Why? We're discussing the gay Nightmare on Elm Street. I know, I know. Just for the unicorn jokes. <laughs> no, I okay. think they'll love that. Holy shit, okay. they'll love that. Uh, so yeah, he goes to the SMA. Uh, so he, he becomes friends with Grady, um, and then there's that's where like the the gay overtones really start to seep in because. He is infatuated with Grady. Um, Most of the time they spend on screen together is changing in a locker room. <laughs> <laughs> oh god! There's, there's like there's like one so, scene where it just cuts to them in the in the lunchroom, and Grady's just like, "So, like, what do you want to do tonight? You want to like hang out? We can go see a movie or something?" Like, it's like this super awkward, awkward scene. This it's whole like movie. when you're asking your crush out on a date. Yeah, like, <laughs> but here's okay. the or for me, just when you're talking to a woman, like, "Hey, how am I? How are you doing? I'm gonna go do something." Like, staring down at your shoes, kicking the dirt. <laughs> like a regular so, Charlie Brown, just live action Charlie Brown. Yeah, can can we talk for one second about <laughs> is it just me or is the female lead in this movie like super attractive? Yeah, she ain't bad. Oh yeah, no. Yeah, I agree. No, she's I got her... like this Meryl Streep thing going on. Is yeah. it Meryl Streep? Yeah, she she, she's Meryl got a little Streep bit of a Mer- yeah. She's got a bit of a Meryl Streep thing going. She does. She's yeah, got a young she's... Meryl Streep. I didn't. I didn't yeah. really see it until you said it. But yeah, absolutely. And so Mike Patton, you know the part when he has his like his crazy tongue that he's like kissing between her boobs. Yeah. Like, I, <laughs> that the stills from that, he's just grabbing mounds of boob. <laughs> and is pro- <laughs> all I can think of is just like just know they're at the office because he doesn't care. <laughs> <laughs> why, would, why would he give a shit? Um, okay, so he goes. He has a bad dream again. Goes walking in the rain. Goes to the S and M club, right? But his shirt's now, unbuttoned. Why? Yeah, unbuttoned, and all, he's all wet and he's all glistening. I don't know, just to give the girls that are watching something to look at. I, guess. <laughs> I don't know. think it was the girls that were watching were the were the target audience of this film. You know yeah. what we need to do? We need to. 
put out the word like, hey, gay people that listen to Horror Movie Night, Rudy, um, can you tell us if this movie, if Mike Patton turns you on, if he's actually like kind of a sex object or not? Because we don't know. Yeah, like, is he like movie a, succeed? Yeah, is he like a gay sexual icon that we just didn't know? Well, I'll answer that question for you right now. Have you seen how dreamy his eyes are? <laughs> Have you also seen his dad bod? Yeah, he's got a bit of a dad bod. And he's in his prime, too, man. Oh, yeah, like, so, you are going to go downhill from 25 when you're in this movie playing a 16-year-old. Uh, so, so he goes, like, let me ask you a question. You go to an S&M club, and you find your teacher there. You hold that over their fucking head forever, right? You don't like accept a punishment where you have to do laps in the gym you have one up on that dude forever now yeah Ah, so stupid so whatever they go to the gym uh so here's what happens to the gym teacher he gets a bunch of balls in his face and then he gets (laughs) tied up and whipped now this this, i don't know if what exactly this guy's into but it kind of seems like him and freddie were just lovers with a fetish right like Oh shit! <laughs> yeah, Man, this film's great. <laughs> I, it's not the worst Nightmare on Elm Street movie. I can tell you that. Well, okay, so so both of you, tell me who do you think, or wh- what do you think is the worst Nightmare on Elm Street film? Because like, I I don't know. This movie is actually pretty hard to watch. Not not like it's not a poorly made film. They had a good. Um, they I mean their script is just shit. They had a good budget. And they're riding high off the popularity of the original Nightmare on Elm Street. So I well, think uh, if if you okay, you go ahead, man. Go ahead. I was gonna say I think the worst one, in all honesty, and what I determine to be the worst one is a combination of two things: are the kills good, and does the movie make sense fundamentally? <laughs> and when thinking of that, obviously, I'm gonna assume that we're all taking the remake completely off the uh, the shelf here. Um, I never even bothered to watch it. Yeah. Part 5. Part 5 Dream Child to me is the worst of these seven movies because it doesn't make any fucking sense. Like, there's not a single moment where I understand what's happening. And I've watched that movie a lot. Uh, I, I would okay, put now this I have, right above I have it. Trouble, I have trouble with the titles once we get a little deeper in. Which is that? We might be talking about the same one, but the one where it opens with his mom's a nun and she gets raped by the thousand maniacs in I, the insane asylum. I believe that's five. It's either four or five. Um, I remember one, I, I remember them based wanna... on the death scenes. Okay, <clears throat> guys. Number three is Dream Warriors. Number four is Dream Master. Master. Number five is the Dream Child. And Correct. I think Dream Child is the one that they talk about. I'm pretty sure that's the one where it opens up with her gang raped by a thousand maniacs. I I'm not so. positive, but... I, just by the name alone, I remember that is arguably the worst in the series. Yeah. That's... Now, is that the one where the guy thinks that he's Freddy's kid for most of the movie? No, and that's then... Freddy's dead, which I love. Yeah, <laughs> because that's also the one that has the video game death in yeah. it as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Yeah, that okay, that one's fucking dope. I love that one. Yeah, no. everyone says Dream it's Child. the worst one, and they're a bunch of assholes, because Dream Child is fucking horrendous. Dream Child is the one where the one character's pregnant, and Freddy can kill people while they're awake if the baby in her womb is dreaming. That's right. Oh, my God. You're right. Okay, <laughs> you know what? This movie gets so much, like, 
I totally forgive all of the negative things I used to think about Nightmare on Elm Street 2 because I've blocked out a lot of the shit from the dream child because I saw it one time. I think I was a sophomore in high school, and I was like, this is the worst shit I've ever seen. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's awful. It is unwatchable. Yeah, it's horrendous. Like, this one's not great. Don't get me wrong. Like, I understand some people consider this the best one, and they are more than welcome to have that feeling. It's definitely no one thinks that. I bet you if we ask, there there will be people on the Facebook group that will say that this is their favorite Nightmare on Elm Street movie. But They're I... They're mess with us. No way. <laughs> I think that you'll be surprised. Um, but yeah, I think that this is right above Dream Child as like one of the low points in the series. Um, and then really, honestly, I think if you take out the cockroach death, Dream Master do- isn't really anything to write home about either. No, Dream Master is pretty terrible. I've only watched it like three times, except for that scene is amazing. Yeah, that, that, it wins a lot of points for that one scene. And then, I don't know, I would rank like New Nightmare and Freddy's Dead both kind of like uneven playing field, but two very different movies. Like New Nightmare is a really decent, serious one. Freddy's Dead is my favorite of like the whacked out of control, we're just doing some silly stuff. And then the same could be said for 1 and 3. I think 1 and 3, it really depends on what mood you're in on your Freddy, on which one you like better. So, or how badly you want to hear Dokken. I mean, that's usually what decides decides yeah, that well, for me. <laughs> well, speaking speaking of 2, though, really from this point moving on in the, in the movie, it kind of starts to go downhill. I'm, pre- I'm, I'm, I'm losing an attention span on it, and I'm getting kind of bored. <laughs> <laughs> Even when we get up to, you know, the almost sex scene where he starts channeling Gene Simmons' tongue out of his mouth and shit. Um, so but- this is where I think it picks up. Cause there's, so it picks up for a couple seconds, and then the last ten minutes is insanity. So yeah, he starts making out with the girl, Lisa, and then his tongue starts getting out of control. So he does what any person would do and runs to Grady's house. And <laughs> <laughs> Let me use this on you! Yeah, and then Grady's... <laughs> what? Look, what do you want me to do? I just want you to watch me. And I'm like, watch you do what, bro? Well, Grady has that one line where he's like, he's like, something's trying to get inside me. And he goes, oh, and you want to try to sleep with me? And it's like, oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, but then the best part in this movie, and not me being like sarcastic, is the transformation scene. Um, it seems like the part that they put the most time into where, you know, Freddy literally rips out of of Jesse and it's just a really cool, well-done sequence. Um, and then it stops being fun again. <laughs> like yeah, and then we get back to the pool party. <laughs> as much as the pool party is is really memorable, it's really stupid. Like, he attacks Lisa, and then he, he jumps out that window, but then blah, disappears before he even hits the ground. And then bursts out of... Out of where I have no fucking idea. He jumps out of it's like it's like he's jumping out of a sewer grate, but they're beside a pool. Like, whoa, what is, where is he coming from? Yeah. And then you know starts setting shit on fire, and he goes. He, now the infamous line, "You're all my children now." That's good for three the three quarters three and three quarters of a second that it takes him to say it. But then it just is is stupid again. So whatever. Lisa's dad comes out and he shoots a, a bowl of cheese cheese balls or something like that. Completely fucking misses Freddy by a mile. Uh, Freddy disappears through a fence, and Lisa's like, "Oh, I know where he went to. You know, the steel workers' factory where there's tons of fire and stuff. Just terrible memories for him. That's probably where he is." Yeah, like uh, that's that's something interesting that about the entire series, though, is why if he um, if he was burnt to death, 
why would he always be around fire? He yeah. uses it constantly. And while I was watching this, I was thinking the same thing. I was like, why isn't he, like, terrified of fire? You'd think he'd be really scared of it. And then I was thinking, well, why isn't Jason scared of water, really, either? <laughs> Jason's got no fucking Jason, that point. Jason only is scared of water when they need it need him to be in like milliseconds of the end of a movie. Like I think he's terrified Are of water. Are you talking about Jason takes Manhattan? Yeah, because that's the first thing that comes to mind. Yeah, I was gonna say Jason takes Manhattan. Although again, he's not terrified of water for the hour and twenty minutes that they're on a boat ride. But like, yeah, or sewer when it's water, him, he'll literally be underwater and jump <laughs> out. But uh, I would say, doesn't Freddy's Freddy versus Jason? He uses water to like scare Jason at one point? No, Jason uses fire to scare Freddy because he sets the house on fire and then they're both in there fighting and you can see that Freddy's a little bit sort of unnerved by the fact that they're in a burning building. Which is weird to me because it's like you're already burnt. The worst that could happen has already happened, buddy. Like, you're not going to get more burnt. Um, <laughs> so she, he goes to the steel, the steel mill and this is where like one after another is the craziest shit I've ever seen because we have the human face dogs and then immediately it's the yeah. mutant rat getting eaten by a mutant cat. How the fuck is Freddy doing this shit? <laughs> He's in the real world now. They did How? scale that back quite a bit in like three, four, five, six, seven. Yeah. Thank fucking God they did because <laughs> those dog, those human face dogs are atrocious. I feel bad for whatever dog they put those horrendous masks on the face of. It looks so bad. It's awful. So oh. I, I I practiced and I practiced and I practiced for like an hour to try and get this, but I don't think I got the accent down quite right, but let okay. me try here. After six weeks, the Freddy will encase himself in a cocoon and in a chrysalis, and after several moments, a new beautiful Jesse will emerge from inside. <laughs> I didn't listen to any uh, David Attenborough to, while I was doing this to try and narrow it down. So I just did a shitty English accent. It's so good, though. Oh, Thank you. It's so, so yeah, funny. And then, and then whatever. We can never just have fucking closures in these movies. Well, right? Jesse's, we can never just... Jesse's saved by the p -p -p power of love. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Does his, does, his, does his buddy give him a bro job? <laughs> Because that would have popped Freddy right out real quick. <laughs> Something would have popped off, yeah. Um, but yeah, so... I can't tell if we're having a good time or if we're going to just really offend people. I think they're going to have a good time. I, I wouldn't worry too God, much about I hope it. So. Ugh, uh, I'm worried. But then, yeah, so the power of love uh, saves saves everything. Um, it It don't cost money. Don't take fame don't need a credit card to ride that train and then Dude, if you can watch nightmare on elm street 2 or back to the future which would you pick is that even an honest question <laughs> no <laughs> i was gonna say i'd watch back to the future 3 before i'd watch nightmare on elm street 2 again um oh, damn, dude, that is cold <laughs> that yeah that is i promise you it is a toss-up <laughs> uh but yes then there's the claw popping out of the chest scare and then yeah there's it's the movie. It ends. Thankfully. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. We can never just have proper closure in these movies. It's always got to be like... I think Dream Warrior... Did Dream Warriors end with a proper closure? I feel like it did. I feel like every one of these movies has a gotcha, though. Doesn't it? Isn't that kind of the whole point? I feel like... 
I really do feel like Dream Warriors doesn't for some reason. But I could be wrong. I haven't watched it in a bit. But all right, we'll we'll find out eventually. I I'm sure. I'm sure one of these days <laughs> we'll do that weird thing where we talk about a good Nightmare on Elm Street movie. Um, I, I don't know if I want to. <laughs> uh, so that's all I've got really for for uh, the man inside me, Nightmare on Elm Street Two: Freddy's Revenge. Um, <laughs> Are you a fan of young adult novels? Have you ever wondered the stories behind the people who wrote your favorite young adult novels? Then join author Eric J. Brown and Alyssa Lube of Netflix's The Circle every other Tuesday on YAOK. Available on all podcasting apps. Woo! What did you guys watch this week? Uh, I'll go first because it's not that interesting. I uh, watched the whole first season of House of Cards. Uh, <laughs> this isn't that interesting. I just watched a season's worth of a TV show. Yeah, but that's not interesting in, in the context of our show. I don't think anybody really gives a shit that I watched <laughs> House of Cards. Uh, but it's good. Uh, Kevin Spacey, really good. Uh, there was a couple moments in there that, uh, that were really hard-hitting. Have either of you guys watched any of it? I've never seen it, but I've heard good things. Yeah, yeah, it's good. It's uh, I mean, it's really nothing to write home about. What I would suggest is you watch the whole first season and then the first episode of season two because that was just like, holy shit, that was crazy. Uh, that was really intense. But I don't know. I haven't. I I, I, I don't know. I haven't had the the energy or the interest to really pick it back up again. I'm sure I'll watch more of it, but nah. Um, I believe by the time this episode comes out, I will have appeared on a podcast called the 90s TV Hour. Uh, if that episode is out by now, you get to hear me talk about two TV shows, uh, both that aired in the 90s. Uh, the one episode is season six, episode one of Step by Step, the episode Crazy Love. And the other episode that we discuss is uh, episode 13 of, I believe, season three of Daria called Die, Die, My Darling. Um, not going to get into that, but you should check out that episode. Uh, it's a brand new podcast. It's pretty fun, especially if you're a 90s kid who grew up loving 90s television. Uh, but the thing I do want to give a quick shout out to is this past week or so, I've been rewatching um, one of my favorite shows that definitely deserved a much longer shelf life than the two seasons it received. Uh, I think it is available on Hulu, if you've never seen it, called Dead Like Me. Uh, have either one of you guys ever seen that show? Yeah, I used to watch that on Showcase all the time. Yeah. Uh, the first season of that's really, really good. Yeah, so second season's not bad. It's definitely not as good as the first season. Scott, have you ever seen it? Um, <clears throat> I want to say that I watched like the first episode and couldn't get into it, but it's been on my like back burner for yeah, it's four from... years because you because you told me about it like right when we we started doing this business, so. Yeah, I, I need to get into it. I think Brian – so it's made by Brian Fuller. Um, it's the one that he has the least input on, unfortunately. But I, I think Brian Fuller is one of the best TV show creators of all time. And unfortunately, every show that he's made has, like, barely made it. Canceled. Yeah, like, he did Wonder Falls, which was amazing. He did Dead Like Me, which I think is the best of his shows. But Nope. Uh, Pushing he, Daisies is way better. See, Pushing Daisies I enjoy, but I don't love. And then he made Hannibal, which was – just insane what they got away with putting on television on tv yeah and i want to watch that too i, I didn't watch him I, I i also watched the 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 pilot for that um 
remake of the uh, he did the, the monsters Adam family or the monsters the monsters. Um, and I would have loved to see what he could have gotten through on that show, but sadly, the the pilot really didn't go anywhere, and that's probably why it didn't get picked up. Yeah, he's he's definitely one of my favorite uh, show creators because I think that he does a really weird, a really cool thing where all of his characters seem. They're realistic but quirky at the exact same time, which is always like nice. Um, but for those who, but it's not like super annoying quirky, you know. Exactly. Like, yeah. uh, but for those of you who haven't seen Dead Like Me, it's definitely worth checking out. It's about an 18 year old girl named Georgia who unfortunately dies unexpectedly, um, and when she dies, instead of going to heaven or hell, she is informed that she has been recruited to be a Grim Reaper, and it's just about her life. But it's one of those shows that. Uh, Handles what could be really, really depressing subject matter, but does it in a very real and caring way, um, which always makes for just it's good episodes. It it, it has that like you you feel like you might cry, but like in a positive way instead of a depressing way. Like it's I don't know. It's one of those rare feel good but super dark depressing comedies. So uh, it's dark, but it's got a lot of funny bits. Like a, a Grim Reaper, will, like go to an apartment and be like, um, "Yeah, I'm looking for uh, for you know John Smith. He died in apartment B3." And he's like, uh, "I'm John Smith, and this is B3." And they'll be like, "Oh, all right. Well, I'll come back next Wednesday." <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, the the uh, the star of the show, and he they made a movie after season two that is yeah, unwatchable. That. Yeah, uh, because they got rid of the the best character in the show. Because uh, the actor wasn't interested, and I'm blanking on his name, but it's uh, Inigo Montoya from Princess Bride. Mandy Patinkin. There we go. Mandy Patinkin. <laughs> Mandy Patinkin. Mandy Patinkin is the reason to watch this show. So them taking him out of the series for the movie is like devastating. Um, but that's all I got. Uh, so Scott, how about you? How about you take us home? All right. I'm actually glad that I'm going last because um, I have something interesting to say. Um, I have to apologize to Stephen Bruce. Um, I can't remember what his name was on Horror Club, um, but you know when we did Horror Club and some people picked episodes of Black Mirror, I did not appreciate the fact that we were doing, even though it had John Hamm and at least that one, um, I was not in love with it. Uh, I watched a couple episodes of it and I then thoroughly talked shit about Season one, Black Mirror. Um, I thought that it was just kind of ripping off the Twilight Zone, and I uh, didn't understand why people were jerking it off so hard. I didn't watch any. I watched like maybe three episodes of season one. Didn't watch any of season two, and season all three seasons now are on Netflix because Netflix, um, I guess, they produced and now own the rights to season three, and therefore own the back catalog. Um, I started watching season three from episode one on. I'm only four episodes in, but goddamn, it's finally figured out that not every episode needs to be a Twilight Zone ripoff, and it's really great. I felt like in season one, and did you watch any other episodes of season one? I've seen maybe three or four, or, or I think there is only like four episodes. I saw the one like the dystopian future on the bicycles. I saw the pig fucking. I saw stuff like that. Did you see the one where the the um the lady was like an accomplice to a child murder and they keep running her through like this gauntlet of everybody trying to shoot her no yeah it's that episode especially it felt like 
I understand what they're getting at is like I get it. You have you can't not get it because it's so in your face. Like, do you get what we're trying to say about real our current reality and what could happen? Yes, I get it. I'm not an idiot, but the whole thing is like okay, the prison system is overkill. Like if you if you're an accomplice to a murder, you shouldn't be killed for it basically. And and like okay, I get it. But Charlie Brooker, like you're you're English, and he's trying to make arguments about the American prison system. And sometimes I feel like it's a little over the top. But then again, that's also I'm sure we do that shit in America about other countries too. So I it just season one rubbed me the wrong way, and season two I don't know. But season three, I would highly recommend both you guys checking out because I feel like they're kind of com- committing themselves to making a better show and moving forward with the, the the concept without just rehashing like technology will lead to bad things. It still happens, but it can also be good things. Okay, I'll bump that up over uh, over House of Cards. <laughs> <laughs> You'll probably burn through it in a couple days. Probably. All right, well, that was Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge, released in 1985, as picked by our listener, Fan Mail Chris. I hope you're still out there, Chris. We haven't heard from you in a while, and we miss you. Make sure that you are sending us suggestions at hmnpodcast at gmail.com, letting us know what movies you would like to hear us discuss. And also, hit up our Facebook page. Our Facebook page has turned into possibly one of the most hopping groups on Facebook, as far as people constantly in there discussing movies, uh, that they've recently watched, or posting random shit that they found on the internet. So make sure that you come over there, check it out, and uh, check out our Patreon, patreon.com backslash Podcast. Hey, uh, is there anywhere else that people can go to interact with us and or listen, guys? Absolutely. You can find us on Twitter at Podcast on there. Scotty. You can go to soundcloud.com backslash night. It has all... Uh, 80 episodes, I think we have up there. Yeah, we this have a will lot be episode of episodes. 80. This is episode 80 that we're recording. Sheesh. Man, we got a lot plus, of episodes up there. Some bonus material, some fan yeah. mails, trivia. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can also find all that good stuff, or at least 90% of that good stuff, on iTunes. You can uh, rate, review, and subscribe on there through the iTunes um, podcast app on your iPhone. I don't know if it also works on um non-iPhone smartphones, but uh, yeah, and you can also um, see us at Monster Mania, which we've been hyping up quite a bit. Uh, we will be there March 10th, 10th through the 12th. 11th. Yeah, sir. We will be there with bells on. We're going to bring our own merch. I'm actually going to bring, I've decided, I'm going to bring some of my um, unframed horror movie posters to show off and or sell if anybody wants one i mean i don't need them uh i mean unless megan leaves me and then i have that house like um <laughs> just wall to wall horror posters. <laughs> <laughs> well i'm alone and i'm killing people but at least i got some sweet movie posters <laughs> so yes come check us out at monster mania march 10th through the 12th and check us out next week when we have yet another episode of horror movie night
Are you a fan of young adult novels? Have you ever wondered the stories behind the people who wrote your favorite young adult novels? Then join author Eric J. Brown and Alyssa Lube of Netflix's The Circle every other Tuesday on YAOK. Available on all podcasting apps. Woo! You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 